Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, that we may see the wonders of your word. Amen. Today we are in 1 Chronicles chapter 9 that follows after listing out all the tribes that return back to Israel after the exile in chapters 1 to 8. So chapter 9 starts by saying, All Israel was listed in the genealogies recorded in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. They were taken captive to Babylon because of their unfaithfulness. Notice here how it doesn't say there was a clash of clans happening or there was a superpower rising due to which Israelites were taken as captives. But it clearly states they were taken captive to Babylon because of their unfaithfulness. So it means that if they had been faithful to God, they would have continued to live in the promised land altogether. Isn't it the same thing right from the Garden of Eden? Adam and Eve would have continued to live in the presence of God altogether if only they hadn't sinned. The same goes for the Israelites too. And the same goes for us even in this day and age. So what does it teach us? It teaches us that when we stray away from God's established order, then chaos ensues. Do you notice how the birds of the air all fly and migrate every season just like clockwork? And do you notice how all the fishes of the sea migrate from one place to another using the ocean currents just like clockwork? And do you notice how all the galaxies of the stars float around the universe by order as if by clockwork? Scientists like Kepler and Newton have discovered that even those stars which fall off can be accurately calculated so we can predict exactly when they would get burnt out. So that's the order of the universe that God had created. But then when sin entered into the world, this order was broken up. And that's the reason we read in the Bible in Romans chapter 8 verse 19 to 23. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Paul is saying, even the earth and all of creation is waiting eagerly for the second revelation of God, for the children of God to be revealed. We, as of now, are the first fruits of the Spirit, that is, we have not experienced the full triumph of salvation, of redemption. Though we are redeemed and saved in one sense already, in another we still await our redemption, that is the full accomplishment of redemption, which Jesus explained in Matthew chapter 8, 19, verse 28, where he answers Peter's question, what will become of us? He says, on that day, when the Son of Man appears sitting on the throne, you shall judge the world. Paul also says in 1 Corinthians 6.2 that all the saints shall judge the world. Saints as we saw yesterday is the believers of Jesus Christ. Those who have wholly followed Jesus, excluding all the half-hearted, self-seeking and world-pleasing crowd of hypocrites. This is why the Bible says, Know the glorious promise to which He has called you. Know that He has great things in store for you.
Coming back to 1 Chronicles chapter 9, we read in verse 2. Now the first to resettle on their own property in their own towns. You see, God is restoring them back into their inheritance. So it is God who brings back his wayward people back into their inheritance. He says, "Come on, let me give you one more chance." In Lamentations chapter 3 verses 22 to 23, we read Because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed for his compassions never fail they are new every morning great is your faithfulness God's mercy and compassion are new every morning being a just god sin has to be punished but then mercy is god withholding is just punishment as long as it is today and that's the reason bible says As long as it is today encourage and exhort one another so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin as we read in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 7 in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11 we are also warned that don't take any of this for granted as for myself mercy is not something i can afford to take for granted i have fallen so hard so often Despite how desperately I want to love and serve and please the Lord that I wonder sometimes why God hasn't given up on me and I wonder how he can entrust me with ministering to people and caring for the needs of his children oh how blessed are we to have his mercy that never runs out as we read in Psalm 136 verse 2 So let's not take this mercy of God for granted in our lives. Coming back to 1 Chronicles chapter 9 in verse 2 we read they were called as Israelites, priests, Levites and temple servants. Do you see the order here? Now they are no longer two different kingdoms, Judah and Israel, but then now they are one entity. It's the same thing that we read in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 11 to 23. The Jews and Gentiles alike have been brought together as one under Jesus Christ. Ezra the chronicler depicts a beautiful picture here by saying who are the inhabitants of the house of God, Israel. They are Israelites, priests, Levites and temple servants. It's as though Ezra is saying the house of the God comprises of this fourfold classification of people. First they are Israelites and then they are either priests or levites or the temple servants so what does this other three refer to the priests are the people who serve the lord in the house of the god or the tabernacle by offering sacrifices unto the lord for the sins of the people today they might be the people who offer up sacrifices unto god either through prayer or through preaching of god's word The second group is the Levites who did the normal chores every day or who did the artistic work or who did the spiritual work like worship etc in the house of the Lord all of these things constituted service unto the Lord so some people might fall into this category anything that you do should be done for the glory of God even if you are working in your company do it for the glory of god the temple servants were the people who were formed by king david as we see in ezra chapter 8 verse 20 wherever god has placed you 
be an israelite that is a child of god be a priest that is an intercessor between god and the people be a levite by being a vessel unto the lord and using your talents for his glory or be a temple servant assisting those who are used as vessels in the hands of god verses 3 to 9 talks about the people that is the israelites the first group notice how it says who lived in jerusalem in fact it refers to david's words as we read it in first chronicles chapter 23 verse 25 david said the lord god of israel has given rest to his people and he dwells in jerusalem forever it is symbolic of the fact that one day in the new jerusalem the people of god the true israelites will one day be at rest and they will dwell in the new jerusalem forever as we read in revelation chapter 21 and 22 verses 10 to 13 talks about the priests notice how it says in verse 13 the priests were mighty men of valor this phrase mighty man of valor is used only for the man of war as we see in first samuel chapter 16 verse 18 when it refers to saul and in judges chapter 6 verse 12 where the angel refers to Gideon as a mighty man of valor and in many other places in the bible so it shows us that when it comes to doing the work of the lord to be of service to him it takes a man of strength and courage the same qualities that are needed in a warrior and that's the reason in Ephesians chapter 6 we read that we are to put on the full armor of god Coming back to 1 Chronicles chapter 9 verses 14 to 16 talks about the Levites. The Levites were the people who were ministering in the house of the Lord, doing manual work or doing artistic work or probably spiritual work and so on. So each of those works was precious in God's sight. No matter how small your task, God is mindful and will reward you. And that's what is implied by Ezra. the chronicler when he writes about the levites here and then in verses 17 to 34 he talks about the gatekeepers and the temple workers notice that in this chapter where the house of the lord is described he talks about gatekeepers in particular why is that necessary you see nobody can enter into the house of the lord unless through the gate of jesus christ jesus said in john chapter 10 verse 9 I am the gate if anyone enters through me he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture Jesus says anyone who enters through that gate will be saved saved from the consequences of sin saved from the penalty of sin saved from the power of sin and one day in the new Jerusalem will be saved from the presence of sin so it also follows that those who don't enter into that gate will not get these benefits and notice also what the verse says it says my sheep will find pasture those who enter through the gate will find pasture what does that mean it says you will find fulfillment and contentment in your life true freedom and contentment and fulfillment can come in a person's life only through jesus christ notice how during this pandemic everybody thought in the initial days that they were truly free that they didn't have to go to office that they didn't have to go to schools and they didn't have any chores and all that 
But then as the days dragged on, everybody got tired of being in their freedom. They wanted to get back. They wanted to get back to their duties. They wanted to get back to school. They wanted to go back and do what they were doing before. Freedom comes only through order. In the same way, true freedom only comes through Jesus Christ. Notice how in verse 20 it says Phineas the son of Eleazar was the official in charge of the gatekeepers. What did Phineas do? If you remember in Numbers 25:7 to 13 his faithfulness and his zeal for the Lord made God's wrath to turn away. Similarly, God is looking for such gatekeepers who can warn the fellow believers and say, "Hey, This is not what God approves. This is not in the Bible. This is how it is supposed to be. Notice how Ezra immediately then turns back to talk about the descendants of King Saul in verses 35 to 44. We know that the line of Saul was almost wiped out, but then this was to emphasize to the people that God did not completely wipe out the line of Saul and that his descendants lived even after the period of exile it is as though Ezra is telling them that even for them there were signs of hope so it is symbolically saying that even for people who turned their backs against God there is hope still for you even today may God bless these words amen